you know, one of the things that's horrible about today's world, Tom, is, is this ability. You know, we're, unfortunately, we're not allowed to agree to disagree anymore with a smile on our face. You know, the old fashioned debate where, you know, I don't see it that way. I see it this way. Now it's be, there's so much animosity if yeah. you don't agree with somebody and, and it becomes so uh, aggressive and, and, you know, all this cancel culture and all this stuff on. And, and it's great. You know, what I'd like to think is that, you know, we, we, we have a debate. We might have different views. But, you know, we're not going to lose any friendships over. We're not going to take anything personally. It's about putting out different views and different perspectives and, and let the people watching on TV make up their mind. Well, you know what? I agree with Brandon on that. I don't really agree with Paul, but I, maybe on this one, I agree more with Paul. And it's about, it's about broadening people's views and, and putting views on the table. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Golfer's Journal podcast presented by Titleist, the number one ball in golf. My name's Tom Coyne. In today's podcast, it, it may have been inspired by, I don't know, gazing at the cover of Golfer's Journal 19 featuring the stunning links of Rasapena up in yonder, Donegal. Uh, probably more likely inspired by our producer Casey Bannon telling me that this guest has our second most downloads ever, and we need to get him back onto the podcast. And I'm glad that we did. Paul McGinley, uh, we have a lot more to talk about with Paul. Last time he was on, we it was pre-Ryder Cup. We talked a lot of Ryder Cup, Paul being a winning Ryder Cup captain. Uh, but this time, we had the time to get into you know what he's doing now. His bouncing around the world, playing golf, broadcasting golf, promoting golf, especially in his homeland of Ireland. Uh, the show he's doing... Uh, about the great golf holes of Ireland, talking about his work for Sky and the Golf Channel, getting his true feelings for Brandel Chambly as well. It, it's all coming up on this podcast, so stick around for it. Paul has certainly has the Irish gift of the gab, which puts Irish Americans like myself to shame. So wonderful. Thank you, Paul, so much for taking the time to come back. Some quick business to mention first, however, fun business. Registration. For Olympic Hills, our event at Olympic Hills is uh, going live on May 17th. This is a pretty exciting one. I've heard incredible things about this golf course in Minnesota. Bring your friends. Check it out. Golfers Journal community will be there. Bring your dad. And which reminds me, you know, that's a great Father's Day gift, but we all know what the greatest Father's Day gift is. And, of course, that's a, subscri a subscription to the Golfers Journal. One, it's easy Two, your dad gets something on Father's Day that says, look, you got this awesome thing, you know, something that you didn't have to wrap. It's thoughtful, but easy at the same time. It's hard to find gifts that, you know, fit that Venn diagram. And Golfer's Journal subscriptions are right at the top. It's what my dad gets every year and looks forward to. Now, if your dad already has a membership, if you've been wise enough to do this in the past, you know, get him a gift from our shop. Our shop is full of... Great TGJ merchandise, so check that out. A lot going on there. Remember, uh, we are a reader-supported publication, and we rely on you for your support, uh, and we really appreciate your support as well. Hey, I'm just I'm doing my best with the segues. Paul McGinley's a father. <laughs> Let's bring it back to Paul. Uh, a pretty cool dad as well, jet-setting around the world, checking in on his kids, uh, going to college in America playing golf at his home club, Sunningdale, outside of London, which I'm actually going to visit for the first time the end of May, and that's in the Broken Tea Society in the London or UK group there. I've posted my schedule, hoping to meet up with 
Golfers Journal folks during my little UK tour at the end of the month. Uh, so again, Broken Tea Society, check in there and follow along and hopefully we can meet up. But I was just talking about Paul McKinley, not myself. And when he's not playing golf at Sunningdale, hoping to meet up with Paul as well. But he's really busy and he's bouncing around. He's going to County Donegal, of course, to visit Rossapena with his fellow European golf champion buddies. We're going to talk about that. Now, as this is our second pod with Paul, he sort of doesn't feel like a guest so much anymore. He feels like a friend. But I honestly think that Paul McGinley, he's the sort of person that you can listen to for three minutes and feel like you're listening to an old friend, someone you've known for quite a long time. Well, I'm glad you're, it's good to hear you're going back to Ireland. That's something we wanted to just talk to you about today. Because if you yeah. see here on the cover of Golfer's Journal 19, Rossapena, one of your, a place that is near and dear to your heart. Um, and I just wanted to ask you, uh, I know you, you have a big event there. If you want to tell folks about the event that you host at Rossapena, uh, I know it's going back to Rossapena. And, and why do you have it there? And what's so special about the place? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, I took over the um, hosting of the, what's called the Irish Legends, which is an event on the European Seniors Tour. And um, obviously, I was very keen with my family background, my mom and dad, both from Donegal. I was uh, really keen to uh, kind of promote the area of Donegal. Um, luckily, the Casey's uh, uh, not just have a brilliant product up there in terms of the hotel, as well as the great golf courses, but they were very keen to host as well. So. Uh, there seemed to be a good uh, alignment there, a good partnership, potential partnership to, uh, first of all, host a really good event. And secondly, in a great place on a great golf course. So uh, I took over the hosting of it. Um, we were meant to run it three years ago and then COVID uh, put an end to that. Then we ran it last year under severe COVID restrictions, but we did get the tournament away. We had 30 amateurs. We had 30 pros. Everybody had a great time. It was a lot of fun. It went really, really well. And um, now hopefully we're moving it to another level where we're going to have 60 pros, 60 amateurs. Um, you play amateurs play with the pros each of the three days and we have uh, hopefully a really good tournament. So a lot, a lot of work going into uh, to putting it together. It is a lot of work. Believe me, hosting a tournament is a serious amount of work, much more than I ever thought it was going to be. It's eaten up a lot of my time, but it's going to be fun and hopefully we get a good reward at the end of it. You've got a lot going on already and to take that, but yeah. it's, it's great that you're doing this. It's great for Donegal. I tell people, you know, when they're planning trips to Ireland, you know, typically everyone will go down to the Southwest, but I try and push them, you know, up the, up that, uh, the West coast a little bit to get up to places in Mayo and Sligo and Donegal. Um, not just for the golf, but I think, I mean, people in Ireland are great everywhere, but when you get up to, you know, if you get off the beaten, the, the tourist beaten track a little bit, um, I think that there's an appreciation that you've, you know, made the effort to get there. And, and, that, and there's a warmth to that, that I, I think is a real thing. Yeah. I, I try to do exactly the same thing, Tom, uh, anybody I meet, uh, I, I certainly started to push them away from the Southwest. I mean, the Southwest is sold out. I believe you can't get a tea time. Any of the major golf courses down there this summer. And even next summer is pretty much booked out already. So, uh, I'm saying, well, why don't you just go up a bit further up the coast, exactly as you say, and you know, go into uh, northwest, uh, northwest Ireland, and, and down into County Sligo. What a golf course that is, um, and, and some great designers. I mean, old Tom Morris did the golf, one of the golf courses that we're going to play in um, 
in, in Rosapena. Um, old Tom Cor- old, old Tom Morris was the original designer of that. And yeah. um, Pat Ruddy has done some work over the years on, on top of that. And, and it's a really great product and a wonderful, wonderful hotel. Um, three golf courses there. The new St. Patrick's is excellent as well. Uh, you've got the one up the road, um, Naren and Port New, which has just been redone by Gil Hans. So these are world-renowned names. And, uh, you know, Donegal is, for me, the prettiest county in Ireland. Uh, yeah. As pretty as Kerry is and Cork and parts of it, West Cork in particular are beautiful. Nothing is as pretty or as stunning as Donegal, in my view. Um, and everybody says, oh, the weather's so bad. But no, it's not. It's, it's not a whole lot different in Southwest Ireland. You're about 150 miles further north. Or, and, and it's not, it's, you know, you're not going to have a dramatic, a dramatic uh, change in the weather with, in 150 miles. That's a fair point. And you're right. I mean, to think about it, Tom Morris, Tom Doak, Gil Hans, uh, Pat Ruddy, you know, all with all right there in Donegal now. I mean, in the story that, that in the story in the Golfer's Journal, I, I sort of wonder if, if now, you know, eventually people will start looking to the Northwest versus, I mean, the Southwest has the Shannon Airport. There's no beating that. Um, but does the Northwest become more of the go-to itinerary versus the itinerary where you're like, okay, you've done Ireland five times. Now you'll go to Donegal. Um, so we'll see what happens. I think that could, could, you know, hopefully be the case. There's a lot of great, great golf up there. As you say, speaking of great golf holes, you have a, a an exciting, pretty cool show out. Maybe some of our listeners have been watching it. Um, Tell us about it. Tell us about the great golf holes, how you've decided which ones to go to. And, you know, talk about, again, a lot on your plate. I bumped into you in the Masters, so I want to talk to you about your broadcasting a bit. But between host, when you're not hosting tournaments, you're bouncing around to the greatest golf holes in the world. Yeah, I mean, another one of these ideas, Tom, that was uh, came out of COVID times. And um, a fellow called Chris Hollins, who's a you know well-known sports presenter in uh, for the BBC in London, uh, came to me, he said, look, I've got this idea. The Irish Tourist Board are keen on doing something. They've got lots of budget. All the golf courses are closed because of COVID. Uh, how about we uh, we go and, and, and film some um, film some courses in Ireland and, and we create a bit of eye candy for people to watch um, with, with, the, with a series of shows. Uh, and we travel around Ireland and we take in, you know, a lot of the great golf courses. And the idea originally was to take in, um, you know, restaurants and pubs and places to go along each of the courses. But obviously with the middle of COVID now, uh, we couldn't do any of those. Uh, so the upside was all the golf courses were empty, uh, even though <laughs> it was filmed in May and June. We could uh, get on the golf courses and uh, no problem because we're filming. We're allowed to do that during COVID. And, um, and and do the filming and not be interrupted. The downside was, you know, all the hotels were shut, all the restaurants were shut, the golf courses were shut. Uh, it, it was a bit of a ghost town. But anyway, it, it, did, it did really well. The, the viewing figures have been excellent on it. It seems like people really enjoy it. And uh, we're planning now what our next move will be, which looks like it could be in Portugal, um, to do some filming this summer to, uh, to put something else in the can and, and bring it out next winter uh, on all the great golf courses in Portugal. And not just down in the Algarve, but moving up the coast as well. Where can people watch it? Um, it was on, was it on Sky? Yeah, it was on Sky. Um, and um, it's, it's been, I, th- I think it's coming to Golf Channel. I'm not yeah, sure if it's quite there thought. yet. Uh, but I know it has been on Golf Pass. Um, right, right, and, right. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure if it's going to go on the full Golf Channel. There is talk about it. I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure yet. Well, it's, it's a really fun show to watch. Um, tell us about some of the holes that you picked and why you picked them. There were some interesting ones on the list. 
Yeah, well, it was more about picking the golf courses, Tom, you know, and, and yeah. uh, we're, we're spoiled for choices, you know, in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And uh, we probably upset some people because we couldn't put everybody in. Um, of course. And, and a lot of it was, some of it was determined by logistics. Um, some of it was uh, determined by our, our uh, well, our, our travel our travel plans and trying to fit as many in as we could. Some of it was determined by the Irish Tourist Board who were keen to promote certain areas. And it wasn't just about highlighting the well-known courses there. Yeah. Um, you know the ones that we all we all know, but it was also highlighting. Well, if you're going to Royal County Down, what about stopping in and, and having a look at this one? Or if you're going to um, Ballybunion, what about you stop in and have a look at this one? And it was mm. a case of promoting uh, the smaller ones and, and maybe less well-known ones as well as the big ones. So it ended up uh, it ended up being a really good show. We did, I think, we did seven or eight series of about forty minutes each, and and it's me talking through the holes and talking through architecturally of the holes and maybe a bit of my own history, personal history, and growing up in Ireland and playing amateur events on them. So uh, it was a you know Chris played a number of the holes with me and. Um, Obviously, the ones that stand out, of course, are our are, are old headache and sail in particular. I mean, you know, the cliffs there is just incredible. We had some great weather as well. We were lucky. Uh, we played in Ross, Ross's Point, which was uh, gnarly weather, and we had a horrible day. And when the crew were like, oh, my God, what are we doing? Shall we, shall we, <laughs> shall we, shall we tape today or shall we try to fit it in tomorrow? And I'm like, no, people come to Ireland. Some people like the good, the bad weather like this. Right. You know, it was going, it was blowing 25 mile an hour and we had these heavy squally showers as we call them in Ireland coming into our face uh, but that all it all went well um, and I think they really enjoyed it well you certainly knew Ross's point um, how many west of Ireland had you played in well not a huge amount I played two or three I carried for my dad there that's kind of where I learned how to understand the game of golf carrying for my right? dad he was a good player in the west of Ireland um, and when I became a good player Tom I missed it because I was at college in America um, that's right that's right and yeah. uh, and I, I worked for a year over in Brussels and I missed one year there so my last three years as an amateur I was working in Brussels and the other two years I was um, I, I was I was at college in America so my three years where I was a, a pretty decent amateur I missed it unfortunately having said that I did win the Irish close there the Irish amateur there uh, in 1989 and, and that was my um that was before i went to college in america and that was the win that that i thought ah i wonder am i any good at this game i wonder is there is there a chance that i could uh maybe be a pro at this game i mean i'm only i'm 20 probably 21 at this stage yeah 21 years old so and i'm only just coming through at 21 so you know 25 when i turned pro so i was i was very late to the party <laughs> your lateness to the party it's a great story um and paul you're one of our we, we're so glad to have you back you're one of our most listened to guests we've had on the podcast and uh in our first Thank podcast you. with you we we did have a chance to go through um well by today's standards would be a late a late bloomer um to the to the game to the pro game uh but yes at ross's point you know would be famous for hosting the the west of ireland championship uh in the east it's county Louth uh let me see if i can do i did this before on the pod uh north is um is it county down no port rush rush Rush. i was about to say it uh poor rush and then in the south uh la hinch right i think that's right right all right then we have Uh, the Irish championship which which roams around the four provinces one you know the shares among the province so one year it's in Leinster, then it's in Ulster, then it's in Munster, then it's in Connacht. So um, they, they were the five majors when I was growing up. Uh, yeah. 
great, great tournaments. They're the ones my dad played in. That's I used to caddy for him in it. That's how I learned, as I say, about the game. And and uh, all the top amateurs playing those uh, certainly did back in that day. And that they were the yardstick. And how you performed in those determined whether you were going to make the Irish team or make the Leinster team or whatever the case may be. And um, uh, great, great events. They they really were really well run. Generally, they were. Uh, so you, you, we'd we'd have about 160 entries. You'd have 36 holes uh, qualification, and then down to 64, and then straight match play from 64 down to a winner. So it's uh, quite a quite a long week. Uh, should you should you get right to the final? It's pretty great. I mean, I was fi- following Brian Keogh's feed on Twitter about the, the you know, a couple of weeks ago it was, uh, you know, it was at Ross's point. And uh, when you, if you go to any of these clubs in Ireland and you see the winners list, um, it's pretty great to see, you know, Rory's name up there, Padre, Shane, you know, the, the, all the, all the names are there uh, and going way back into uh, the history of Irish golf. Um, so it's, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, if you're bouncing around and happen to see that. Um, I did have the chance recently when we bumped into each other uh, and got to say hello at the Masters. Um, and now your broadcast career has been taking off as well and is another thing keeping you busy. Um, I assume you're you're going to be in Tulsa soon. And, uh, you know, how was Masters week for you? Uh, I'm busy as heck, I'm sure. Um, you know, that you're running here, there and everywhere. Yeah, so so the TV, uh, Tom, is something I've been doing for about seven years now with Sky in Europe, which is kind of the equivalent of ESPN in America. Um, and we cover all of the major golf events. And, and I've had a contract with Sky for about seven years ago now to be the lead analyst, or not lead analyst, to be an analyst uh, working with Butch Harmon um, as the two analysts um, in the uh, in the golf coverage. And, and I do 10 tournaments for Sky. And they are um, obviously the majors, the world events, uh, the Ryder Cup, Stroke Presidents Cup, uh, BMW and Wentworth Irish Open, and then our big DP World event uh, at the end of the year, end of season event over in Dubai. So that's the contract I do with Sky, um, and it's been going for uh, when did I start? 2013, 14, so a bit longer than that. Uh, and and it's been good, and I enjoy it. It's only ten weeks, so I've lots of time to do other things, and I really enjoyed working with with Butch and and learning the business of TV um, announcing. It's not easy, you know. It's not an easy to uh, to uh to talk and, and to listen at the same time as somebody's talking in your ears as you're as you're <laughs> on, on set so uh, i do what they call top and tail the show so i open the show i close the show uh, and then i do commentary calling shots in the middle and that's been going along nicely and and uh you know we have a really great team in sky and i've loved working with them great guys and the team has evolved a bit over the years as butch has taken less and less of a role um you know rich beam has come in and rich has been terrific to work with as well and you know we have a great rapport going and and then see people seem to like uh, what we do and how we cover the events so we take the pitches from america and then we put our own feed on top of it uh in, in you know in terms of the personnel we have um so what's happened about three years ago sky four years ago sky were bought by uh, comcast and uh we've now under the comcast umbrella which is the nbc stroke golf channel umbrella and at the start of this year, um, the live from, um, I think Justin Leonard, who, who was doing it, was kind of keen to play a bit of Champions Tour this year as he turns 50. And they were looking for somebody to, to fit the role uh, in with him on live from with Brandle. And uh, because we're all under the Comcast umbrella, they looked uh, towards um, towards Sky and they said, look, Paul, we'd, you know, we'd like to trial you over at the TPC. So what they did was they, they lessened my role on Sky and lessened my hours on Sky per day 
and then put me on an evening show with Brandon. So I'm still doing both, mm-hmm. um, but just less of a role with Sky in order to have more time to prepare and do the stuff with Brandon in the evening and live from. And, and that went really well. And, and, and you know, I think the weather helped us because we had lots of great content because um, obviously, do you remember the weather was really bad on one of the yeah. days and, and, you know, 17, every hit in the water. And we had a bit of a tune and fro and Brandon about about how unfair it was or how it wasn't unfair. And, and I think people seem to like that. Our viewing figures are really good. People like the chemistry that we seem to have on screen and certainly NBC and, and Golf Channel were delighted with it. Um, so what we've now done is a short term kind of uh, agreement where I will work um, for, for NBC Golf Channel, a call with Sky for um, for six events this year. So that was the TPC, the President's Cup and the four majors um, where I'll be combined with uh, combined with my role in Sky. So that's why you're starting to see more of me uh uh, on American TVs and, and it went well at the Masters as well too we had really good viewing figures obviously Tiger playing really helped and uh, yeah again it's a whole new world that I'm learning you know it's a, it's a, it's a different uh, it's a di- uh, very different dynamics uh, working on a, a three hour live production like Live From is uh, compared to what I was doing with Sky so I'm still learning the ropes in that but again a great team in, in uh, a great team in Golf Channel I, I've enjoyed being part of it well, we're really happy to see more of you on American TVs for sure. You do a great job. So you're doing the back, yes, the back and forth on with that Sawgrass with Brando was um, must watch TV. It was just very interesting, the two perspectives. Um, now, and your personalities, I would guess, I don't, I don't know Brando. Um, uh, he brings, a, you know, it seems a, a lot of research and uh, might have an approach. Is this approach different from yours? You're, you're, I, I assume you you guys seem like you get along, but you do also seem like different sort of you seem like different folks as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're not told what to do, or you know, sometimes I don't even know what angle uh, Brandle is going to take on debates. And yeah. you know, we're given a subject matter sometimes. Sometimes it pops up. Sometimes we're given a subject matter, so we kind of prepare our own view on that. And and sometimes we clash. We have different views, and sometimes we have the same view. Um, it's certainly. It's it's not orchestrated in any way. For he says one thing and I said the other. It's it's got to be really natural, which it is. I really like Brandel. He's he's a really top guy. Um, I, I have always admired him as a broadcaster uh, because I, I've worked with him in the past and I I know the work he puts into every single show. He yeah. never takes a position. He never goes to a place without having loads of research done. And um, he's got a really uh, a really strong uh, case and 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 he's going to argue that case so if you're going to go up against him you want to be just as well uh, <laughs> prepared as he is so i'm well aware of that um and um you know as i say the, the chemistry seems to work well and and you know one, one of the things that's horrible about today's world tom is, is this ability to, you know we're, unfortunately we're not allowed to agree to disagree anymore with a smile on our face you know the old-fashioned debate where you know i don't see it that way i see it this way now it's there's so much animosity yep. if you don't agree with somebody and, and it becomes so uh, aggressive and and you know all this cancel culture and all this stuff on and and it's great, you know. What I'd like to think is that you know we 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 have a debate. We might have different views, but you know we're not going to lose any friendships over. We're not going to take anything personally. It's about putting out different views and different perspectives, and, and let the people watching on TV make up their mind. Well, you know what? I agree with Randall on that. I don't really agree with Paul, but I, maybe on this one I agree more with Paul. And it's about it's about broadening people's views and and putting views on the table. Um, based on our own experiences as as both ex players, and 
Um, I uh, hopefully people like that. I think they do like it. Certainly by the viewing figures and the reaction that we've had, people like that. It's certainly not orchestrated, and it's it's certainly uh, it's 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 about you know having integrity in what we're saying and and, and doing it from from a from a place that uh, that is genuine. It's beautifully said, Paul. Speaking of being genuine, you seem to be when the cameras are on or we're having a, a podcast or whether I'm talking to you elsewhere, you're the same guy, and and I think that's a great thing. And do you have Thank any you. advice? It's not, but that's not easy to do for everybody. Is there any advice you'd have for someone? How to be yourself? How to be genuine when the camera's rolling? Not not that we're all on film, but uh, or if we're speaking in public or if we're in a group of new people, how do you just get? You seem to be comfortable in your own skin, and that's a that's a wonderful thing. Is there any? Is there any? Um, is that just something that comes naturally to you? Yeah, I think uh, with uh, three girls in our house, um, you know, uh, two daughters and a wife, <laughs> you, you you get bashed around the two the two fellas in the house, me and, and our son Kitty, and we get bashed around by the girls. You know, they're strong personalities, and and they can smell if something is not right. There's a bit of BS going on. Uh, they can certainly smell it. So it, I think genuine is something that uh, I would like to think all of us have in the family, all a bit of common sense as well. And, you know, it's 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 uh, being relatable um, and, and, and keeping things simple, um, not trying to be something you're not or not trying to, you know, make an impression that that is not you. Um, so, yeah, just I, I think just trying to be genuine. I think it's a in Ireland, you get your wings clipped very quick as well, Tom, as you know, in Ireland. Yes. People are very quick with the one-liners. If you start and get lose the run of yourself, as we say in Ireland, uh, or you start going off on a tangent that's uh, that's not really. You're trying to create something and be something that you're not. Uh, certainly, you get your wings clipped very quick. So I think there's there's all a part of that as part of the fabric of growing up, as part of the fabric of the family I'm in now, and and it's also me. And you know, sometimes in in my role on TV, you know, you have to be somewhat critical of players and. You know, they might make a bad shot or they might make a bad call or do something in their game. And you think, you know what my experience is, if certainly my mistakes in, in my career, when I look back and I would wish I was doing it again because I would have done things so differently. And, um, you know, so so with, with hindsight, it's easier for me to look back and kind of critique what players are doing and how they're going about it and shots that they've taken or attitudes that they brought to the course. And I'd like to think that, you know, that, you know, I'm able to use my experience to kind of, show people at home, well, you know what, if he was doing a bit more of this, he might be more productive or the reason why he made those mistakes was this. If you look what happened here, then he went on to make that mistake. And the reason he made the second mistake was because he made the first one. And, you know, there, these are all things that I've learned, um, you know, as, as I've gone through my career and come out the other side. And um, so my rule of thumb in that, in that instance, you know, because I'm still so friends with, with, with you know, the guys I played with on tour and, uh, is is I, I treat it like they're sitting beside me, and I would say it to them if they yeah. were sitting here beside me as well. And that's that's what my role of thumb was. So it's not about being aggressive, and it's not going in there and slamming them on TV. Um, it's a case of um, well, if they were sitting down and we we're having a drink together, I would say the same thing to them. So that's how I try to position it, and I try to have a visual in my mind that you know whoever that player we're talking about is sitting right here, and 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 I'm discussing them in front of them. That's a great way to go about it, right? If you wouldn't say it to their face, as they say, you know, don't say it yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, I know you're on a tight schedule, so I just will finish up and ask about uh, at the Masters, Scotty Scheffler, you know, taking the tournament by storm. Last time when you were on the podcast, we talked a lot about your Ryder Cup experience. I like to look forward into the Ryder Cups of the future, going to Rome, going back to Adair. 
uh, America having uh, certainly someone emerging like Scotty speaks well for the American side. Is there a European Scotty Scheffler out there we should be aware of? Um, if you had to project a little bit, tell me about the European team going forward uh, into some of those events. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Victor Hovland would be the one guy you would talk about who, who certainly could burst on the scene the way that we saw Scotty Scheffler do. He certainly got that potential. Um, there's a bit of a changing of the guard going on in Europe. You can see that, you know, we had a heavy defeat last year in Whistling Straits. Um, you know, we mightn't be the power horse we power uh, house we were a, a few years ago. That's quite clear. Um, America have certainly upped the game. And I don't mean up the game in terms of quality of player. As much as people focus on the world rankings and look at these players and think, oh, yeah, this is the best American team. I'm not so sure about that. I think there's been some really strong American teams uh, in the past that, that we were able to beat. Where I see a big difference with America is off the golf course, in their decision-making, in their positioning, um, in, in, in the vibe that they create as a team. I thought uh, Steve Stricker did a brilliant job in Whistling Straits in that regard. Um, they were prepared. They knew how to pair players. Um, they knew the value of picking horses for courses um, when they made their picks, and Sheffield was one of those picks uh, that was very suitable to the golf course, for example, more so than you know a Kisner or a Na who were not picked. And you know, in the past, um, certainly one of the things you hear a lot of the Americans talk about in France was that they didn't pick horses for courses. They just picked the next, you know, four names on, on, on the list who were the best players, not necessarily the best players who were going to be suited to the exam that this course in Paris National was, which was a, a short, tight golf course. And certainly not one Phil Mickelson, for example, was has ever had a lot of success on. So uh, I think they're, they're, America are much stronger uh, for a start. I think that, that we are probably weaker and that we are going through some sort of a transition. But there, there is a backbone there um, starting to emerge and, 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 and certainly Hovland looks to be the leader uh, of that backbone. But we need to have two or three more Victor Hovlands coming through in Europe. You know, they're slow to come through. Uh, we're seeing a lot of American players populate the top of leaderboards. And, you know, I am keep looking for where are the Europeans, where are the Europeans? You know, we've always had, even when, you know, when our team wasn't particularly strong in the, you know, 90s and, and, and 2000s, but we, what we had was four, five, six really strong players, you know, the Montes, the Westwoods, um, you know, the Darren Clarks, those kind of guys that were a backbone of our team. And, and that's what we need to reestablish again. You know, Sergio is still hanging around. He's still a really good player. Um, obviously, Rory is going to be there, um, you know, for, a, for, for, for quite, a, quite a ways too. And, and Hovland is coming through, but we do need another two or three more coming through. Um, so we're looking at that behind the scenes. And, and certainly COVID has hit a lot of the European players and a lot of the European team a lot harder than it has hit the Americans. So the club, we could be kind of bouncing off the ropes a little bit on the back of that. So I'm looking forward this year to hopefully seeing some more European success. The likes of Tommy Fleetwood, uh, you know, coming through again, re-emergence of somebody like Molinari. You know, they're the kind of guys that, that, that we're looking for and, and that we need if we're going to be successful going forward. In terms of the venue, um, Marco Simone, we on the Ryder Cup board, we were there just before Christmas. We had a meeting there to go and see the golf course. Uh, the golf course is completed. Uh, it's right on the edge of Rome. Anybody who's going to visit, you basically stay in the middle of Rome and you commute, commute out. It's not very far. Um, and it's uh, the hotel the players stay in overlooks the Vatican. Um, we're, we're that close to the middle of Rome. It really is oh. going to be very iconic and very cultural uh, Ryder Cup. Um, and then moving on to Adair, back to Ireland, Tom. I mean, we're all excited about that. And, uh, uh, you know, it's great. JP McManus will put on an amazing show down there. Mm. And Adair, anybody who's been there, it's, it's the closest thing that I've seen to Augusta outside of America. 
Um, that's that's uh, that's <clears> the standard we're talking about when we talk about Adair. Um, not just the hotel, but the manicure of the golf course. Tom Fazioli did it. Um, you know everything that you can think of. There was no stone unturned uh, in in uh, in building that golf course, and also in conditioning it now. So it's going to be absolutely immaculate uh, when we get to the Ryder Cup there. And you know, so we're very proud of proud of it. It's great to have the Ryder Cup coming back to Ireland. Um, and um, yeah, but as I say, we we could do a little bit of European success between now and then. Three or four guys starting to burst through the scenes and trying to take a nick a few majors here and there and start winning uh, these tournaments, particularly in American shores. No doubt. And by the time, yeah, certainly by the time we get to Rome or even by Adair, who knows how the the balance of things may have shifted. Um, I can't wait. Like you said, Adair, not a not a blade of grass out of out of place. It is really a, a sight to behold, and it's great to hear to get that preview of Rome because. There was talk of like, ah, oh, the course isn't, they didn't even start building the course. And, you know, uh, is it going to be ready? So it's great to hear the things are looking good there. And yes, it's going to be, um, I mean, pretty amazing to have a huge, uh, such an important golf event in uh, perhaps the most historic uh, spot in, in on the, one of the most historic spots on the planet. So hope, hopefully get over there to check that out. I am getting over to London soon, end of the month. Um, I'm going to be at your course at Sunningdale where, I know oh, you lovely. play a lot of golf, so I'm gonna hit up you. Have you played there before? I'm, it's gonna be my first time, and I'm gonna I'm gonna nag you to join me. So hopefully, if you're in, if you're, I don't know if you're gonna be in Ireland or England at that time at, uh, in, in the end of May, but yeah, let me know. Let me know. I, I, could I will. Be. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm bobbing around quite a bit. I know you are. <laughs> I know you but, are. Uh, you're gonna love Sunningdale. Is great, you know, and and there's two courses there, 36 holes, and um. You know, it's probably the equivalent over here would be something like Pine Valley. Uh, it's not a private club. Anybody can turn up and pay the green fee and play. There, there are green fees every day. But there's two courses. They call them the old and the new. They're both, uh, they're both uh, 100 years old, over 100 years old. And, and um, they call them the old and the new, but there's only six months between them. <laughs> so it's not like one was 10 years ago. Uh, and in, in my, if you're interested to see what you think, the old is the famous one and where it won't. We have a lot of the tournaments when the tournaments are played. Yeah, uh, the British seniors was on was on there last year, but in my opinion, the the new is a better course. Um, there's just not enough uh, room to get crowds around on the new, uh, so that's why they normally use the old more so. But uh, in, in my opinion, if I have a choice of playing the two, it's it's the, it's the new is the one that I choose. It's great. Yeah. They've got a got a great greenkeeper there at the moment. It's always in great condition. It's a heathland, so it's a, a heathland is a little bit of a cross crossover between um, the manicured uh, inland courses that you'd have in America and the links courses that we'd have in Britain and Ireland, and it's somewhere in the middle. And heathland is is a is a sandy based soil uh, where you get a lot of run and a lot of bracken and a lot of gorse and all that uh, on the fairways, and 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 also a lot of chasing around the golf course. You can chase the ball in onto the greens. Which is great. So I think it's a it's a it's a halfway house style of golf uh, from the links and the and the and the inland target golf. Uh, so I, I think a lot of people are like that. There's some other great courses around that London area, all around that kind of. It's a bit like down in Australia where they have the Sandbelt yeah. uh, area. We have that area just outside London where Sunningdale is. Wentworth is there too. Uh, Swindy Forest is there. George's Hill is there. I mean, you've got probably twenty brilliant golf courses uh, all within well, certainly within ten miles of each other. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Uh, and it's a great description of Heathland Golf as well. Uh, we know you're bouncing around and we know you're you're off to back to Ireland. And uh, so safe travels to you, Paul. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking some time with us this morning. And uh, and we hope to talk to you again soon. Pleasure, Tom. Good luck with the show. Keep up the great work and uh, enjoy your trips to Ireland and Britain.